Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders. What's going on, guys? Before we get into today's podcast episode, I wanted to give you a quick update on the Ready Eddy membership program. To this point, we've grown to have thousands of products from up-and-coming startups and small businesses in the outdoor travel and lifestyle space on the platform. You can save up to 50% off all of these products, anything from skis to jackets to food bars to supplements. Anything you could think of to support your outdoor activities is on the platform from small up-and-coming brands. It's a great opportunity to support small businesses while also discovering brands that you've never heard of. You can show off the new gear to your friends and also save a ton while doing it. If you're interested in checking it out, head over to readyeddy.com slash members to get your first month free. What is going on, Ready Eddy Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. On today's episode, I am sitting down with the founder of Teresia, Eric Hua. Eric, I totally screwed up your last name, but <laughs> no worries at all. I'll let you say it for the listeners. <laughs> sure. Uh, name's Eric Hui. Hui. Uh, founder and of Teresia. I love it. And okay, so for Teresia, how would you best describe your business to someone who has not heard of you before? I would say we are an urban to outdoors technical outerwear company focused on making ski and snowboard apparel wearable every single day. So what made you decide to get into the apparel outdoor industry? Oh, wow. That's a long story. (laughs) Um, I don't actually come from any background in apparel. Um, I did go to school here in Boston at a Northeastern university. So I came here from Hawaii, um, having lived there for my entire life, and then moving to California for school, for undergrad. Uh, when I came to Boston, I really didn't have any clothing to wear. So you can think, you know, in LA, Hawaii, you don't need much uh, winter outerwear at all. So um, I came to Boston, and I actually had a snowboarding jacket that was, um, I started to snowboard um, my last few years in LA. So still a very big beginner. But um, the first winter I came to Boston was a year they got 10 feet of snow uh, within two months. So we got buried and I had to walk to my internship. I was working at a bank at the time and I was thinking, wow, you know, like other people are kind of wearing um, pea coats and uh, different kinds of wear. But I found wearing my snowboarding jacket really helped me the most in these kind of conditions on the East Coast. So when it's very windy, there's wind tunnels everywhere in the city. Um, there's turns into freezing rain and then it snows. Um, my snowboarding jacket actually did the best job out of, you know, all the jackets that I've seen. Um, so the idea kind of came from there to make a more wearable, um, piece of outerwear. Um, but at the same time, the value is that it is a built jacket for skiing and snowboarding. Um, when we, when we launched, uh, two years ago with our Kickstarter, um, we, our jackets really were built with all the functionality of ski and snowboarding wear. So full removable powder skirt, we have a contoured hood. Um, you know, pockets for uh, anything from RFID passes to your credit card to um, we call it a ski pass, a T pass because it's a train pass as well. Um, so functionality that's really designed for the best of both worlds, both everyday wear as well as um, weekend excursions out of the mountains. So what are some of the differentiating factors that make it more city friendly as opposed to like your standard ski or snowboard jacket? That's a very good question. And from the very start, we focused on materials. So 
Um, I work with a design team um, out of Colorado who has worked with some pretty big brands that do ski and snowboarding wear. We kind of really started from scratch. Um, kind of the idea behind Terracia is making stuff that's um, a little bit more friendly to wear in the city. So um, a lot of things like the material we choose, um, it's very stretchy. So a lot of two-way mechanical stretch that kind of moves with your body for everyday movements. Um, we focus on very quiet fabrics, which is something that I think some other companies um, choose to ignore sometimes. So when you kind of brush up against things or kind of like uh, you're walking, you don't want that kind of crinkly uh, kind of noise that kind of make you think it's a ski jacket and um, it kind of just gets in the way. Um, we also have things like um, a lot of utility pockets uh, for our next line of jackets that we're kind of designing more towards this urban outdoors purpose. We have uh, drop pockets that can hold a thermos, for example, for your morning coffee. Um, we have pockets specifically designed for uh, scanning. So when you go through the train station, you don't take your jacket off or anything like that. Just leave your train pass inside your, uh, your hand pocket. Um, uh, and just a general aesthetic, too. So we kind of wanted to focus on a very clean, kind of timeless, modern design. Uh, not so much um, like the original jacket I had was... Um, very flashy, had like, you know, yellow and neon blue stripes on it. Um, it definitely wasn't really meant for everyday wear. Um, so we kind of designed our new jackets with uh, usually monochrome um, and a kind of like a bit of a uh, tapered fit to it. So it can kind of fit in uh, every day uh, whenever you bring to the office or going to get coffee, anything like that. Uh, it, will, it won't look out of place. So you you officially launched the business with a Kickstarter in 2017 and raised a little over $50,000. And I guess that kind of is the first step in sort of solidifying the business and the idea behind it. Um, how long did it really take you to sort of prototype the jackets to get it to the point where you were comfortable really kicking off the business? It took about a year and a half, almost two years. So we kind of really started with a lot of sketches. Um, we actually went through... Um, honestly, uh, three designers <laughs> at that point, our first one really just helped us kind of prototype the initial sketches. Um, a very nice gentleman uh, out of New York who was more of a fashion designer, kind of um, identifying the need. Uh, at the time, we were very fixated on the uh, three-in-one concept, which um, I can also say we've kind of since moved on from there. Uh, but the idea was that we would kind of have a three-in-one jacket um, system where you can swap in different layers based on performance, uh, based on style, based on color preference, uh, things like that. Um, so originally he had, had this really cool idea that we kind of took. Um, and then we had another designer uh, that was local more uh, to me up in New Hampshire that I worked with to kind of really finalize the, um, the sketches and everything. So it did take about a year and a half to really go through the whole process. And uh, we, had, we went through, I think, four rounds of prototyping. Uh, which is a little bit more than most most companies do around two maybe three rounds we did an extra round just because we want to make sure that the jackets fit well that you know they wore um amongst all the different sizes that we made um also had to test them out we went to a couple different uh ski resorts um you know did purposely falling on the snow <laughs> on hard pack east coast granular um it was pretty fun and then we of course wore the jackets every single day uh walking around the city in boston in the winter time on the in the subway taking an uber somewhere um, yeah, we just kind of did all that. Now, in sort of developing the product, is there anything that um, really stood out to you as like sort of a lesson in prototyping and really just manufacturing a product like like a, a ski jacket? <laughs> um, 
I think the biggest lesson overall is don't overcommit. Um, when you work with overseas factories and as a startup and especially as a non like venture or um, private equity funded um, startup, uh, some of these manufacturing costs are astronomical. If you want to make, you know, different styles, SKUs, uh, different colors, there's minimums for everything. So um, I would say the biggest lesson learned would be to kind of stay conservative as much as you can, even if you've kind of done testing and people seem to like your product. Um, you do want to kind of play conservative and um, kind of see how well it, it does first, you know, within a year or two, kind of seeing how sales do before really jumping in. So um, we didn't really quite have the connections to work with a factory that did very small orders. So we kind of had to go in pretty big uh, with our initial uh, 2017 launch. Um, they're kind of working through that, um, but the Jacks have been doing well so far. Uh, we're just fortunate, you know, it hasn't really uh, caused as many issues as it could have. Definitely. Now, you <clears throat> launched the Kickstarter, you raised over $50,000. What happened next between, you know, that point and today? So, um, our first year that we were in business, we were direct online only through Terracia.com. Uh, we did do various demonstration events. Um, we went, for example, to uh, Mount Abram up in Maine, did a demonstration there, and we actually ended up sponsoring or uh, selling uh, jackets to their ski patrol team. So we did a kind of small run through there, um, uh, through the ski patrollers. I uh, went to a couple different locations in Boston, uh, a couple sh outdoor shopping malls. We kind of like uh, custom made a tent with Terracia on it, and we kind of stood out there when it was below freezing, <laughs> wearing our jackets, obviously, for, you know, seven, eight hours. I just kind of proved that we, you know, had a good product going. Um, made a couple of sales there. Um, and since then, uh, for this, this past winter, um, I tried to attend a couple of trade shows uh, across the U.S. So the big one was after retailer in Denver, which I actually ended up attending both in November and January as an exhibitor. Um, the cost was quite high, and I think... My main impression was I need to get the word out for Terracia. That's it's going to be very good marketing, good advertising for the brand. Um, but as I found, a lot of people, a lot of retail buyers, um, kind of want to see a track record first online before they kind of commit to taking on a new brand in their um, uh, in their store. So it was kind of a lesson learned. Where at the same time committing to a lot of trade shows, also wasn't able to really do um, focus on sales and marketing and kind of selling online. So. It's kind of a trade-off, and I'm at the point where I'm also trying to grow the business, um, maybe taking on an additional employee to focus on business development and sales, uh, maybe someone else to kind of work on marketing, advertising, et cetera. So uh, that's kind of been my lesson so far the last uh, year and a half uh, with Teresia. Did you ever have any mentors that really kind of helped you on the product side and manufacturing side and then also just the overall uh, business and marketing and really growing your overall reach? I would say uh, not so much for marketing. Um, that is something I am kind of working with a lot of people now on to kind of like identify how to properly brand Terracia and how to grow as a brand. Um, when I first started, we did have someone that um, had very co close connections with um, factories overseas, particularly in Vietnam. Um, uh, this gentleman is actually a uh, distant fam uh, family friend of mine, which is kind of how we first got that connection. So I think if it wasn't for him, it would be very difficult to kind of dive headfirst into manufacturing. It, it does take a lot and a lot of risk. 
So um, we were fortunate where we did have a mentor in terms of manufacturing on that side. Um, in terms of design, it really was kind of a trial and error phase. Um, we did have some designers that we worked with who they may have been pretty good technically, but I think they didn't quite um, visualize or agree with the direction that I, um, we wanted to take Teresia in. So um, our current designer is very nice. Um, he works with a lot of great brands. He understands uh, startups very well. So um, we are kind of slowly but surely making uh, new products that really identify with um, this whole urban and outdoors angle that we're going towards. That's really awesome. Now, being an outdoor company, how do you really keep sustainability in mind when developing your products? I think a lot of it has to do with um, material selection. So we do work with vendors who, you know, they do promote um, their sustainability efforts. Um, so, for example, for insulation, we do work, you know, primarily only with uh, synthetic insulation providers. We make sure they're um, Busan approved. Uh, make sure that they have a good reputation for, you know, not creating excess waste in, um, in their factories and their mills. Uh, our factories, our, our fabrics, we do tend to choose ones that are uh, very environmentally friendly. Um, they're Oikotex approved, for example. Um, also for packaging is another big part. Uh, we make sure that, you know, we work with um, vendors who supply us with poly bags and mailers who um, are recyclable. So it's kind of like a small conscious effort every single step of the way to think about um, what the vendors are doing, uh, making sure that they are kind of compliant and not um, creating excess waste. Um, also on the factory side, we make sure that we work with factories who are reputable, who, um, you know, they don't use any sort of child labor or anything like that. That's obviously illegal. Um, we make sure they have a good reputation and they have been audited in the past, you know, by uh, different governing boards to make sure they're compliant. Uh, with all that. Now, what would you say has been one of the hardest parts of really getting your business off the ground? Um, I think two main parts. The one thing was we underestimated by far the amount needed to go into marketing to grow a brand. Um, because of the high cost of starting up a apparel manufacturing business, especially when you know the cost of manufacturing is um, for jackets, especially technical jackets, fully seam tapes, um, much higher than producing T-shirts, for example. So we had to spend all of our budget or a very large chunk of it on manufacturing um, things like import duties, for example. We uh, had to take on hiring a freight forwarder. So with that in mind, we really had to be very scrappy and resourceful with our marketing efforts and social media um, any kind of paid advertising we'd be very careful with. So I think the one lesson learned was we need to kind of budget more for uh, marketing efforts in order to grow. But the other part was um, funding. Um, we have been kind of looking for investors to kind of uh, work with us. It's been quite difficult due to the fact that the risk of return is not very high for apparel. And there's also a very strong risk that, you know, they won't do well and not make enough sales. So, um, Funding is probably the biggest obstacle at this point, but we are kind of trying to work through that through different methods. Um, we did manage to fund our 2019 production run, so that is definitely going smoothly. Um, and after that, we'll sort of just play by ear and kind of grow as much as we can. Now, when you say fund, are you saying kind of like bootstrap using the revenue from previous years, or did you take on outside money to to help fund the the uh, production yeah. run? Uh, a bit of both. So. 
we I think majority would have to kind of come from external investors. Uh, we did secure um, a private investor who has helped us out with um, the last manufacturing run. Um, the rest of it really did come from a lot of savings that we had um, through our Kickstarter campaign, through kind of pledging uh, family and friends and connections through that network to help us out. Um, it really is quite a big undertaking. Um, the aspect of kind of crowdfunding as well has been quite appealing. We did have a successful Kickstarter campaign, so I'm kind of floating the idea of um, possibly another round for our 2019 jackets to sort of uh, pre-sell our jackets um, because we did secure enough funds, but a lot of it does, a lot of funds do um, are needed to grow in terms of like marketing efforts and advertising. So it's always kind of a struggle to get the funding needed to successfully um, complete operations each year. Definitely. So I guess what, what is the process um, and sort of the uh, the argument you make to bring on an investor, right? Like, I, I guess you got to have sort of certain um, information or just uh, right. uh, proof, so to speak, right? Like, how does that work? It's sort of, at this point, to be honest, it's really just, a, uh, they have to have really strong faith in the founder, which would be <laughs> me at this point. Um, so it really is up to them to believe that they will sort of, um, get their money back at some point in the near future, but it's hard to justify based on just one year of sales, um, how things are going to go, especially that, you know, um, lessons learned from year one is that we do need to kind of grow our presence more, get people noticing Teresia more. So, um, for the initial investors, it really is sort of like, uh, a good faith type of investment saying, I'll promise you your money back, but at this point, it's hard to really quantify exactly when um, everything we have, all our numbers in our business plan, it's a lot of it is kind of speculation and kind of like projecting out uh, three to five years down the road. So um, I think once we do successfully sell through all inventory, um, it would make a better chance for saying, all right, we have kind of a good product that we are going to sell through, uh, we have sold through. And here's why we're going to grow, you know, this much in the next uh, three to five years. Right, right. No, that makes sense. What, what would you say have been some of the biggest mistakes that you've made up to this point? Well, aside from the um, manufacturing uh, over your means or how much you can sell, um, I would say kind of um, not having the partners that I have right now uh, at the very beginning. Um, I would say being in the outdoor apparel industry, especially you do need to know people and coming in as an outsider with just a dream and an idea. It's great. Um, as I'm, I'm very passionate, I wouldn't be working, you know, pretty much the entire day, 14, 15 hours a day, just, you know, if, if this didn't make any sense to me. Um, but I do think the biggest mistake would have been sort of not spending probably a year beforehand before any of this, even the business plan was written up doing background research. Um, I put have probably would have tried to network with some people in industry, really pick their brain, understand their mistakes as well. What, what happened, you know, um, with their manufacturing, uh, creating sales, how do you sell product correctly? How do you market a brand? Uh, how do you grow a brand? Things like that to really uh, understand the background a little bit better. What advice would you give to someone that wanted to start a business, whether it was in the outdoor space or just really a business in general? I would say really find 
a differentiating factor, whether it's in your product, whether it's style, function, something like that, or really kind of have an idea that, um, have a vision of where you want to go with the brand. So some people, you know, some companies are very successful in that they don't make anything that's different in terms of products. Um, there's not like a specific change or difference in their, um, even like a style, but it's the way they kind of have a roadmap for their brand to grow. that kind of made them successful. And, um, I would just say really understand what makes you different in the industry and, um, kind of do your analysis of, um, of the market a lot, um, a lot better and kind of go through and make different revisions and, uh, definitely forge your idea of the business to a lot of different people. I think one thing we did was, you know, we did reach out to a lot of people about Terracia when we started and, um, you know, got some feedback. I would say spend a lot more time doing that and just kind of understanding what people like, what they don't like about it, your planned products, what they like, what they don't like about it, any kind of advice that they can give in terms of um, usability, uh, things like that. Definitely. I think that's really good uh, advice. Now, where do you see Terracia in the next year, five years, 10 years down the road? Well, I would really like to expand our product offerings. So right now we really do only make um, technical jackets. However, as a brand, I really see Terracia growing into becoming, um, we're really going to own what we call U2O, which is Urban to Outdoors. Um, a lot of our products have that dual purpose. So um, anything that has to do with like everyday wearability, whether it's uh, a shirt, uh, you know, like a, a quilted jacket, um, possibly base layers, a hat, they can all be woven in with the story of Terracia saying that, you know, these are dual purpose uh, items of clothing. And we do make these wearable, you know, free to wear every single day, Monday through Friday. At the same time, when you want to go outside, um, it's also something you can definitely will protect you from the elements, you know, whether there's element of waterproofness, uh, focusing on wind resistance, things like that. It tells a story that you can have something that you can wear the entire week long, uh, whether wherever you are. Uh, focus on things like everyday comfort, um, you know, focusing on, um, you know, whether it's durable or quiet, things that make sense uh, for you to wear um, in your everyday life. I love that. Now, um, what, what's the best part about running Terracia? <laughs> um, just seeing um, people's reception to the products and how much you like them. I think that's really a cool thing when it's something you've made from scratch. And I can honestly say every aspect of our products, you know, even though I'm pretty new to this industry and, you know, we do rely on a lot of expertise from other people, it is something that we've created from scratch. And just to see people kind of compliment our products and see them in the wild when people wear them outside. Uh, we do have customers who send us pictures of them wearing them. I uh, really do appreciate kind of seeing um, them, you know, being used in the mountains or even like uh, some, some person sent them a picture of them uh, shoveling snow in our jackets, which, you know, it sounds a little silly, but that was exactly the purpose I wanted to make. So you can wear the jacket to shovel snow, uh, put it in your car, go to work, and then uh, bring it to go uh, snowboarding next day. Uh, definitely not an issue. So I think just seeing that and just also kind of like seeing the company grow in, in, in general, uh, making sales and um, kind of uh, focusing on the branding aspect is also very rewarding. I love that. I, uh, 
I'm definitely interested to see where things go and the new uh, the new line that you're uh, that's coming out soon. Definitely excited to see uh, yeah how that um, turns out. I will say people did like the jackets a lot at Outdoor Retailer. Um, we also did secure a, a pretty nice uh, private label deal from another company, which I can't quite name until later on. Um, but they are pretty well known in the uh, ski industry. So uh, doing some work with them and uh, also potentially another uh, a retail store. It's kind of funny. The only retail uh, store that expressed interest or hard interest in us is actually from uh, Patagonia, Chile, which is kind of interesting. So oh, I'm trying to work awesome. out something with them. <laughs> they're actually the only store. They're in the very south tip of Patagonia, uh, one of the oldest stores in the region. So very cool to hear their feedback and they actually tested our, our prototype jackets, which I sent them um, out in Patagonia for a week. And they said they loved it. You know, a couple little things they wish, you know, we changed. But um, that's part of owning a business, too. And just saying we're always going to take feedback from people who wear them and use them every single day. Um, it's, it's never a set process. It's always going to be improvements uh, that need to be made. But uh, I do believe in that. Continuous improvement is a big part. I love that. And uh, for anyone listening to this episode between April 30th and May 28th, you can actually enter to win a jacket from Terracia along with a bunch of products from other up-and-coming brands in the outdoor space. So you can just head over to readyeti.com for your chance to win. And with that, Eric, thanks so much for taking the time to come on the podcast and share your story and the story of your business. And you know, and we're definitely uh, intrigued to see how things go in the future and stoked to check out the new line once it's live. Yeah, thanks for having me, Josh. Really appreciate it. And um, yeah, really thank, thanks for having me on the podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Eddy Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.